Welcome, everyone, to the Mix Infinite Playlist Podcast, a show where we always talk about something because something is always on. I'm your host, Nick Hogan. With me this week is a very special guest, my good friend, Ben Harris. Ben, introduce yourself to the people. Nick, how's it going? Good, how are you? Uh, I'm, I'm good. Uh, there's not a lot to say. I'm really bad at the whole introduce yourself question. Um, what I'm actually going to do, <laughs> I feel like I saw myself up in my Twitter bio, so I'm just going to read that. Uh, <laughs> I consider myself a closet metalhead, a casual wrestling observer, a poker enthusiast, and lover of all things sports. And since I'm on this podcast, I feel like I'm also a bit of a nerd. So this will be fun. Hey, that's great. Um, for those of you who don't know, Ben and I know each other because we have, we've been friends since college. Um, I don't remember when we became friends or how long it's been, but, uh, you know, somewhere in that fuzzy 2009, 2010 range, Ben and I met in college, became friends. The rest is history. It's been a good 10 years. Still going strong. Yes. Yep. Distance hasn't slowed it down. Exactly. So I'm happy to have Ben on. Uh, hopefully it'll be fun. So first things first, Ben, the, Star Wars Celebration was last weekend, and they just released the new trailer for Episode Nine and the title, The Rise of Skywalker. What are your thoughts? Yes, they did. Well, I'm pretty sure we've not, we haven't talked about it, but I think we had very differing opinions on Episode Eight. Um, I think they screwed it up really bad. Um, it probably wasn't as bad as everybody like made it out to be, but I didn't think it was very good. Um, so upon watching this trailer, I was like kind of hands off, not, you know, didn't have high expectations, but the trailer ruined it for me because now I'm kind of fired up because I think JJ Abrams might actually be able to save a little bit of it. (laughs) Um, I do think the title is a bit of like, I don't think, I think they're kind of like, it's a bait and switch. I still don't believe Ray will be a Skywalker, but I am very cautiously optimistic about episode nine. Yes, I agree. Um, I did enjoy The Last Jedi. I think um, Ryan Johnson is a good filmmaker and that, and I understand why people were upset too. Um, So I'm pretty, I have put enough distance between myself now from it where I understand why people didn't like it, but I enjoyed it. I'll enjoy watching it again before I go see this last one. And I'm still fine with them giving it back to J.J. Abrams and going for the third one. And I, the trailer got me really excited. And, I, and I'll fully admit that I'm just a Star Wars guy. So I haven't watched much of the animated series. That's still kind of something I'm working through. But other than that, I pretty much just watch anything Star Wars because it's Star Wars. So, I mean, I'll still sit and watch The Phantom Menace right here, right now. And that's the worst there is out there of Star Wars. So (laughs) you're not exactly the best critic to talk to about that. (laughs) Like I I can critique things and I can see things objectively and sure you'll say the Phantom Menace is terrible. And I'll say you're absolutely right, but I don't care. So I'm excited no matter what. Uh, (laughs) But mostly I think that the reveal and everything so far that they've done has just kind of been, brilliant because they've really got people hooked back in um star wars fans that liked last jedi were gonna come see it anyway but the ones that they might have lost they hooked back in with the palpatine reveal and the rise of skywalker title because between now and the release there will be nothing but rampant speculation on the internet oh sure and and 
like you said, I was hooked because all I had to do was hear the laugh and I had goosebumps everywhere and I had to rewatch the thing three times. Um, so yes, the hook, line and sinker, but at the end of the day, as bad as I think episode eight was it, I'm with you. It's still star Wars. I'm still going to see it. You Absolutely. Know, they, they screwed it up, but I'm still going go, to go. So they got my money. Did you see um, at Star Wars Celebration, they, they showed the trailer and then Ian McDiarmid, who plays Palpatine, came out. Did you see this? I, I didn't see the video. I saw that he was there. Yeah. So he came out while it was playing and then the lights came up and everybody just cheered for a really long time. And then as soon as the cheers dies down, he does his Palpatine voice and says, roll it again. <laughs> uh, and I was just like, man, that's awesome. Like, yeah. I'm so excited. Yeah. Uh, so since that's a little bit of current news, I wanted to start there. But then we've also, we're a week out from the release of Avengers Endgame. How yes, excited are you? Um, in my notes, I have uh, insert Jonah Hill screaming gif here. <laughs> that, that's how I feel. Um <laughs> Now, full, full disclaimer, I'm, I'm not like a full Marvel fanboy. I think the DC comics are better, but what the MCU right. has done is incredible. Um, I haven't seen Age of Ultron. I haven't seen Winter Soldier. Like, there's, there's some of them I just haven't seen. Mm-hmm. But what they have done building this MCU for the past, what, 11 years? Mm-hmm. Like, it, it, it's incredible. And I'm like, just <laughs> so excited. I'm actually a little peeved because the group that I've watched all of these with in the theaters, like we can't get together until like the week after it releases. Mm-hmm. So I don't, I guess I'm just going to have to stay off the internet for a week. Um, <laughs> yeah. Avoid everything, but I already have to stay off the internet because right leaks and, and people who are just terrible. So uh, yeah, you are going to have to stay off the internet. <laughs> but I, I'm very fired up about it. It's I'm going to see it probably four or five times in theaters easily that first week, two weeks. Yeah, same here. Um, I obviously am a little bit more of a Marvel fan than you. I think I skew Marvel. Um, I'm pretty middle of the road, except that I really love the MCU and the DCU. DCU has kind of underwhelmed me. Uh, in that I saw Man of Steel several years ago, and it left such a bad taste in my mouth, it's been hard to get me to go back. But you're right. You're absolutely right. They've accomplished something incredible. And I really just, I think that they have developed a formula for making these films that works. Mm-hmm. And so I'm really excited to see it. Uh, there's a lot of speculation about what's going to happen, but you know, since they've been, some people have been saying two or three of the main Avengers are going to die. Um, I think maybe one. Uh, yeah. I feel like one's a given, right? I mean, yeah, it, there's gotta be one. Um, and and the rampant speculation mostly circles around the ones who've been there the longest. So the Robert Downey Jr., Chris Evans, and Chris Hemsworth. But now I'm also hearing that Thor 4 has been pitched. So Chris Hemsworth is probably safe. That's interesting. I hadn't, I hadn't heard that. I'm, Thor is my favorite of the original, so I'm... I'm... Yeah, partial to him. I prefer he stay, stick around. Yeah. I, I think Chris Evans is as good as gone. I think it's... But the thing about it, I think the way they can do it is it's Steve Rogers that dies and not Captain America. Right. I think uh, Sam Wilson and Bucky Barnes have both taken up the mantle in the comic books. Right. Uh, but, you know, there's also, they've announced that the Falcon and the Winter Soldier are going to have their own series on Disney+. Plus. So that throws an interesting wrinkle in it, too. I think that... Uh, 
Captain America could, he could easily end the film dancing with Peggy again. Uh, mm-hmm. And that would be a fitting end for him. Uh, but I also think that you shouldn't rule out Robert Downey Jr. Because right. when Paltrow says she's done with the MCU after this, um, and you've seen Happy Hogan in the Spider-Man trailer, mm-hmm. but no mention of Stark. Right. So well, I think that that is because you don't have to have another Iron Man movie. Like they've done three of them, three standalones. That's fine. But I feel like Robert Downey Jr. is perfectly fine playing the quote-unquote fairy godmother and just showing up in random movies. I, I could be wrong. Like, you know, I, maybe he's ready to move on. But if it was me, I feel like I have all the money I need. Like, why not have cameos in Marvel movies until the end of time? Like, Yeah, I think you're perfect for the role. Right. <laughs> That's kind of the way I saw it, is that we would lose Cap and that Iron Man might stay like a recurring grandfather figure to... Avengers as they come and go. Right. But um, I, you know, it's just speculation at this point. I have absolutely no idea and I'm trying to go in with no expectations so that I can really enjoy my experience watching Endgame for the first time. Yeah. It's going to be awesome. I'm curious, like the whole, like everybody died. I don't, I don't know how deep you want to get into that, but it's like (laughs) that can't stick. Cause like black Panther two is coming. Spider-Man is, is coming. Right. So it's like, uh, who are they if they bring the people back I guess the part that I'm worried is like they can bring the people from the snap back but if they somehow bring and again this I guess this would be a spoiler if you haven't watched Infinity War <laughs> but if if they bring Gamora back like that feels wrong like that's way too far removed mm-hmm. from the whole thing have you, have you thought about that or I, I have and I think that it's that um, everybody from the snap and probably honestly Gamora and Loki are coming back. Um, I think, cause that's all of Thanos's damage. Right. Uh, and I just feel like the MCU can't afford to lose all of them, but more than anything, I feel like there might be some kind of time travel element to the end game. Oh, no doubt. Um, yeah. And so that may even be, we may even meet, we may even lose cap in a more poetic way than I even realize as like dancing with Peggy again, could not mean not in the afterlife, but back in his time. Yep. Um, Well, yeah, I've heard, I've heard you say that in the other episodes and I, you know, and if you guys haven't listened to the other episodes, you need to listen to the first couple episodes of the Nick's infinite playlist. Right. Um, But like you said, dancing with Peggy and that's immediately what I thought because Ant-Man has to be able to do the time travel with his jumps. Right. he has to, yeah, I mean, like, I don't think it's, yeah. I don't know. I think I'm excited. stopping we'll Thanos uh, before a certain time would automatically mean that the likes of Loki and Gamora survive. Um, so it just, it just depends on the approach to it. But I think um, it's obvious that the snap eventually gets undone because we've already seen trailers for Spider-Man. We know that guardians of the galaxy three and Dr. Strange two and black Panther two are on the, all on their way. Yep. So, um, really, the only thing, the only way they do that is is uh, I forgot where I was going with that. But well, those people can't I mean. die, so they have, they have to come back, right? So they're they're going to undo the snap. So I think it stands to reason that whatever they undo also brings back Amora and Loki. But I've been wrong before. Yeah, that's the, that's the best part. It's all speculation, and and uh, there's no telling where they go. Like. <laughs> It'll just be fun. Awesome. 
Well, I'm really excited for that. Every guest that we have on the show, we pick a current topic that we talk about. We've already talked about a couple things that are upcoming, but I saved this one for you, so I'm really excited to talk about it. Uh, <laughs> our topic that Ben and I have chosen is Captain Marvel. Yep. So I got to see this movie the first week it came out, and Ben has seen it more recently. Um, so Ben, what did you think about Captain Marvel? I liked it. Um, that's like <laughs> easy to sum it up that way. Um, I feel like it was a little predictable, but again, like it, it, it had, it almost had to be because I know enough of the story to figure out what was going to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, but I feel like the cast was, it was, it was very well cast. Um, I also feel like Hollywood, like they see what's happening with the MCU and everybody who's a name is kind of like, Hey, how can I get involved? Mm-hmm. And so that's how you get Jude Law and you get Annette Benning and like Ben Mendelsohn, just, you know, all these people just show up in these movies. <laughs> it's like, Oh, cool. No wonder these are great. Yeah, absolutely. Um, the, the cast just in general of Captain Marvel is something that I really appreciated. Um, I was already happy with the casting of Brie Larson. Like I was, I was over the moon because all the way back to her days as Abed's girlfriend on community, I've been a huge fan. So I was really excited and she didn't disappoint me at all. Um, I definitely recognize that the film has flaws, but I really liked um, everyone. It's very clear that Marvel understood that people were going to compare it to Wonder Woman. So they specifically subverted some of those expectations. Um, For one, there was no uh, love story in Captain Marvel at all, which I really, really appreciated. Um, yep. I didn't, I thought it was, it's as feminist as you can get because there's not even a love story. Right. You don't need uh, one. Exactly. And the ensemble cast is something that I really, really appreciated. Um, we just touched on this a little bit with Jude Law and Annette Benning, Um, and I thought they were both fantastic, mm-hmm. but, uh, the whole scroll storyline and Talos as a character, Ben Mendelsohn's character, I just yes. thought was absolutely phenomenal. Yep. Just at every turn, he was, his emotional depth was there. Um, and just a really, really compelling character. And then I really think that this may be the best role, the best that Samuel L. Jackson's done, at least as far as the MCU, maybe, in his career. I don't know that I've seen a better Sam Jackson movie. Right. Well, I mean, he, he's much more featured in this one and right. as far as the MCU goes. And it also made me kind of chuckle the fact that they had to basically make him 25 years younger, the entire movie. <laughs> I would love to see the budget line item for that. Like what that costs for improving, improving the hairline and all kinds of stuff. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, that was, that was awesome. And then, I, you know, seeing agent Colson again, like was, was great. Oh, gosh. Too. Yeah. Um, Colson so. lives, my man. Right. <laughs> uh, Agents of Shield fan, so. Yep. That's uh, just having Colson in there at all was was a fanboy moment for me. <laughs> yep. So, um, obviously, the Avengers tie-in is pretty obvious. Mm-hmm. But are there any unexpected ways that you think that this might tie in with Avengers Endgame? Since this is the last one before we see Avengers Endgame? I mean, obviously there's a post credit scene, but uh, that really just shows Captain Marvel showing up, seeing some of the Avengers, and then immediately cuts off. Right. So what do you think? You got any theories? Not really. Um, it feels like the table is just set. I mean, it, it 
everything tied in well um, with Fury, you know, flipping that pager right before he, you know, when, when she handed him the pager back, I it get audibly gasped in the theater. And it was like, you know, <laughs> duh, there it is. Awesome. Perfect. Here we go. Next, uh, Endgame's next. Um, I wonder if we'll see the scrolls in Endgame. Like, mm-hmm. I doubt it, but they're out there. They have to be. So um, that would be the only other wrinkle that I could see from Captain Marvel being brought into Endgame. But, you know. Yeah. Yeah, I think um, that Captain Marvel is kind of being groomed to be a leader in the new era of Marvel and the Avengers. So um, bringing her last was important. And sure. then I think she's going to, she may even take a back seat. You know, she's not going to uh, enter this final battle with Thanos. You know, we've, we've seen in the end game trailer where w- Cap and Tony and Thor approach Thanos. Yep. And I don't think she's going to be a part of that um, because she's definitely going to have to step in for whichever leader they lose. And I think that's part of the plan. Uh, and that's that became apparent to me as Captain Marvel went on is that this she's going to lead a team of Avengers one day, right? Well, I mean, she's essentially like big picture. She's Marvel's answer to Superman. Absolutely. So you know, I mean, Superman's the leader of the Justice League, so it just makes sense that Captain Marvel may eventually be the leading leading the Avengers and MCU. So I think that's where we're headed for Phase Four, and you know, I think Brie Larson is is great in that role, and so. I have no qualms whatsoever of Brie Larson and Paul Rudd leading <laughs> and Benedict Cumberbatch leading phase four. Yeah. Same here. Um, I, uh, and Tom Holland too. Uh, yeah. He's a fantastic Peter Parker, but yeah. I, overall I really enjoyed Captain Marvel. Um, it's definitely not a perfect film. Uh, the flaws are the predictability of it's a little apparent mm-hmm. uh, and there are flaws, especially towards the beginning Um, but once they get really into the meat of it, uh, it's a fantastic story. Just something, something that I'm definitely planning to be able to rewatch for a long time. Absolutely. I just really, really enjoyed it. So you got any other thoughts on Captain Marvel? Yeah, I have, (laughs) there were two, (laughs) there were two random, super random things that stuck out that bothered me. And this is just the type of particular nerd that I am. So it's set in the nineties, obviously, which is great. The way they did the whole blockbuster thing. And like, that was awesome. Yeah. The parts that bothered me, like the random bar in the middle of nowhere has a page on Alta Vista. Like <laughs> and it was just starting. Like for some reason I was like, wait a minute, that is amazing. <laughs> right. And number two was when she walked into the bar on the door, there was a sign for a poker night, Texas Hold'em, you know, on a certain night. Right. Well, that bothers me because I know that Texas Hold'em wasn't like huge mainstream popular until like the 2000s. Okay. That's just, again, super right. minor. It doesn't matter at all to anybody but me. And I was just like, ah, it bothers me. <laughs> but I had to mention it since we're talking about it. Yeah. No, I think that's fantastic. I love talking about stuff like that. Because, right. um, you know, in episode four, we touched on, Mary and I touched on uh, Max Keeble's big move just because it came up and it's awesome. Um, so anything obscure is totally fine. Welcome on this podcast. Right. Uh, and I seriously doubt that the target audience for the MCU is going to be like, when was Texas Holdeman exactly injected into the mainstream? Um, cause I bet they, they looked up what blockbuster was is, is what's more likely. <laughs> uh, 
no doubt. <laughs> but th- I think that's awesome. No, I th- yeah. I, I'm glad you've noticed, and I'm glad it's out there for everyone to hear. That's right. It can bother somebody else now. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Anything else you want to add? No, I think, we're, I think we covered it. I'm excited. All right. Yeah, me too. So next up is our segment called Infinite Playlist. This is a way for us to tell the world what we're consuming, why, and how to get in on it. So, Ben, simple question. What are you loving right now? Well, I think the short answer is Game of Thrones. Like, I don't watch a ton of current TV, but my TV watching right now has been Game of Thrones. So, um, I feel like I'm not in the minority by that, by any stretch. Um, Game of Thrones is great. That's why why I'm watching it. Um, I like just the whole fantasy aspect, like just building worlds. Like, I'm a big Lord of the Rings guy, too. So, yeah, it's kind of in that way, in that vein. But um, so yeah, I know you're you're also a fan. So I am. Yeah, I was gonna ask, what did you think of the season? What what season are we in now? Eight. What did you I, think of the premiere? Feels like, yeah, it feels like eight. Yeah, um, <laughs> <laughs> feels like forever. Um, well, I have to also preface this, but I have like a love hate relationship with this show too. Right. Um, being a like fantasy bit of a nerd, like I really appreciated and loved the world that they built spent seven seasons building like how big Westeros is and it's awesome. And then they went super fast and loose with the travel times and it just really bothered me for some reason. <laughs> Again, I get bothered by weird things. <clears throat> so I guess my main thing is like, I'm worried that they're going to run out of time. Like how in the world are they going to wrap this up in the next five episodes? Right. I shouldn't be worried about it, but I'm worried about it. <laughs> No, that's totally valid. I think the the timing seems a little off kilter because of the way they rushed through the last season. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I told Adam Davis a couple episodes ago, you know, I, I appreciated the timing in one sense because I didn't need to see them traveling excessively. They could have done three more episodes and just had people traveling and that would have been really annoying. So I get why they did it. They just sped right. it up because we. It's, the point is to get these characters together and not take the appropriate time to get them from place to place. Yes. Kit Harrington and Amelia Clark and some of these other people are becoming too big of stars for us and we need to wrap it up. <laughs> right. So I get why they did it, but I, I hear what you're saying because I feel like the timing is a little off kilter. Like we're going to get blindsided by the White Walkers. Mm-hmm. because we've been preparing for it this whole time. They spent a whole season saying, Hey, this is a big deal. We got to watch out for the white walkers. And then it's just going to sneak up on us. Like, obviously they've already been to, uh, they killed poor Ned Umber, uh, <laughs> and Tormund and Beric and the remaining night's watchmen have discovered that. Yep. And so apparently they catch up to Winterfell before the white walkers do, but, it sounds like that's coming soon. So I guess I'm just kind of waiting patiently, but I, I recognize what you're saying about the timing. Cause it, it does even through this premiere, it's just kind of felt off, mm-hmm. but so far I think it, what the point has been is getting all of these characters together and to recognize their differences and either get over them or not get over them before this happens. Right. I guess I, I can understand that. And the reunions were, they were fun. Like I'm not, I'm not going to say I hated the premiere, like right. everybody back together was great. Um, 
but you know, at the at, when it was over, I'm like, I like nothing happened. Like, yeah, it was cool, but nothing happened. Like, when are people going to start dying? Because I know it's coming. Like, <laughs> people are going to die, and there's going to be a lot of them. Um, yes, but I don't know. We'll see. Like, I was I was just watching through my fingers almost last week because I was like, Torment is just a matter of time. Like, he's right. my favorite character. <laughs> right. Torment's no, one of my no chance he makes it. And it's mostly because he has the best name of all oh, time. Yeah. Yeah. Torment Giant Spain. If I was ever going to change my name, it would be the Torment Giant Spain. <laughs> yes. I feel like it should be. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah. Uh, you know, I also worry about like Sam. Poor Sam. Just. I mean, as soon as faced with the battle situation, that dude is dead. Yeah, um, but just like he's just such a nice guy that it makes me feel horrible. And like somebody's gonna survive, so it just makes you wonder who it is. Yeah, I, uh, at this point, I'm trying not to speculate because I'm gonna be wrong, so it, <laughs> it doesn't right. matter. Um, I don't even like it. Wouldn't. Like, yeah, I have no idea. It wouldn't surprise me if the freaking Night King is on the end of the throne, the throne at the end of it. <laughs> yeah, um, just something really, really bleak and awful. Yeah, you know, I mean, why not? <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I've, I like to be a little more hopeful than that, but I guess I wouldn't be surprised by that either. Right. So, you know, I, I'm rooting for Sam and for Tormund and uh, for Sansa Stark, but who really knows? Yeah, I gotta get a shout out to Sir Davos too because he's he's oh, like number yeah. two on my favorite list. <laughs> Again, not gonna make it, but <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Well, and they're they're it's gonna spend too much time focusing on Jamie Lannister next week and not enough time on the last moments we'll get with Tormund and Davos mm. and Sam and all the people that we actually care about or like. Uh, <laughs> so I, I like Jamie Lannister. <laughs> Um, but I just, I recognize that there, this meeting between Jamie Lannister and Daenerys Targaryen has been a long time coming. Yep. And so they're probably going to spend a lot of time on that. And I'm really more interested in what happens next plot wise. So, you know, I guess we'll see, maybe it'll be 10 minutes and who really knows. But I think that the whole point of it is going to be we have to set aside our differences, even when our differences are extremely egregious, like Jamie killed my father Mm -hmm. and fight this greater threat. We can deal with this once we survive. Um, But yeah, no, I I feel the same way about the premiere. I really enjoyed the characters reunions. um, And I'm just kind of looking forward to seeing what happens next, even though that may mean, the end of some of my favorite characters. Yep. I feel like whatever happens, regardless, I'm going to complain, but I'm still going to watch it. So <laughs> we're going to watch it and I'm still going to like it. Yeah, absolutely. You know, the, uh, I've been spending some time on the internet this week, making fun of the people who are like, I've never seen game of Thrones. And it's like, good for <laughs> you. Who cares? Um, just let people enjoy things. Uh, so there's a good half of the world who's invested in everything happening on game of Thrones for the next six weeks and half the world who absolutely does not care. And that's okay. Just don't torture the people on the other side. <laughs> that feels that's the way it goes. I feel like when Star Wars is like going to come out, that people are going to be like, "Oh, I've never seen Star Wars." Like it's a badge of honor. Like whatever. <laughs> right. <laughs> I'm mature and important. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, you know. 
the internet's great. <laughs> exactly. Um, so, I mean, anything else you want to add about Game of Thrones? No, I think we got it. So, if you want to catch up on Game of Thrones, I'm sure we'll talk about this on the podcast a few more times before the season is over. Um, you can get it with an HBO Go subscription or an HBO Now subscription. Uh, I have AT&T cellular service, so my HBO subscription comes free with that. I am not getting kickback from AT&T to say that. I just wanted to let you know that's how I'm paying for HBO. You should, though. I feel like, you should, I feel like they should give you something. That was a pretty good... Yeah. Well, you they, almost sold me on AT&T. <laughs> they... Uh, they're owned by the same company, I guess, is what the deal is. ATA, AT&T owns HBO and a couple other channels, supposedly. Hmm. So that's why they offer it free. They just I already had it, and they just waived my costs. So Very nice. That's where you get in on Game of Thrones. And now we're going to, to lead into our final segment, which is our – Special segment rotates every time we do the podcast. This one is Artist Highlight, where we explore the career works one at a time of a chosen artist. So due to the finite nature of the body of work, the first artist I chose is Robin Williams. So essentially, we're exploring the career works of Robin Williams. We've got a good long library to choose from. On episode one, we picked the 1980 musical Popeye, uh, which was a really interesting experience for me as I'd never seen it. And this time, Ben and I have chosen Flubber. Flubber came out in 1997, uh, directed by Les Mayfield, who is director of other films like Blue Streak, uh, The Man with Eugene Levy and Samuel L. Jackson, one of my personal obscure favorites, uh, Encino Man, and the 90s remake of Miracle on 34th Street. And it was written by... John Hughes, who also wrote the 90s remake of Miracle on 34th Street and rewrote Bill Walsh's Absent-Minded Professor for a 90s audience. So, Ben, what do you have to say about Flubber? This, this movie is, is like a movie of my childhood. Like, I feel like, <laughs> and I also feel like we need to apologize to people because like, you, you, you lead with like, this artist highlight, we're going to hit Robin Williams' filmography and you've done Popeye and Flubber. Like, there's no good <laughs> hunting yet. There's no last. <laughs> people are going, what in the world is going on? Um, but he had such a like, just diverse like, filmography. It's incredible. Yeah. Um, but like, the, the, I watched this movie again like, today and <laughs> it's not good. It's one of those, like, I, I loved it as a child. And it's, it's, so it's unassailable at this point. Like somebody who watches this for the first time, like it's, I don't know, it's just Robin Williams being Robin Williams. And so it's just, it's just goofy. It's slapstick. But for me, like I have, I have a thing I refer to as the garbage movie hall of fame. <laughs> and so like this is, this is up there. Cause like, you can't, you can't say anything bad about it. As far as I'm concerned, I, you're not going to be able to change my mind. Like this is, I enjoy this movie immensely. <laughs> Right. Well, I, I share that sentiment, but it's no surprise that we share tastes at this point in our friendship. But, <laughs> um, it, you know, I really, I watched it again this morning and I, I really appreciate the slapstick of it. Um, knowing the John Hughes fact just kind of enhances it for me because John Hughes directed Home Alone. Yep. And there's some very similar moments to Home Alone. <laughs> in here where Ted Levin and Clancy Brown just get the crap kicked out of them by flubber. Um, <laughs> and, and a bowling ball on a golf ball. <laughs> right. Uh, that was definitely my favorite part on the rewatch. Uh, yeah. So it's, 
it's absolutely just slapsticky goodness, which I can never say no to a good slapstick movie or a, a crotch hit or a guy getting hit with something way too heavy or Robin Williams trying to demonstrate falling out the window and then just landing on his back. Um, <laughs> the scene on the basketball court where he's, where he's testing it and it's like, <laughs> where he's flying backwards into the seat. I've watched that, that scream that he does on a loop like 20 times today and hundreds of times since I've seen the movie the first time. And it, it, it I laugh every time. It's, it's funny every time. <laughs> so it's, it absolutely is hilarious. And I do have some, uh, there are some troubling plot points in this movie. Like he leaves this woman at the altar for the third time. And it, it doesn't seem like it takes any effort at all for her to, to go back again. And I was like, really? Right. (laughs) You, I mean, and I understand why she's not into shooter McGavin, but of course not. He's he's the best villain of the (laughs) nineties. He can't be into Christopher McDonald at all. (laughs) Um, you know, so that that's troubling. And then yes. just that whole Weibo is like in love with him and makes her hologram projection into a woman wearing a negligee. And <laughs> the whole thing is, is, is like, when you think about it, it's creepy because he created her Yep. and then she falls in love with him. And I'm, I'm like, that's, that's messed up. Um, <laughs> but it's treated like like totally normal and and sweet and i'm just like oh, wow that he's created a sentient robot that fell in love with him and then ultimately uh sacrificed herself to save his life's work right um so some of that's just a little troubling <clears throat> excuse me and but other than that, it's really just kind of a, it's a fun flick and it takes you, there's a lot of actors in it that I recognize um, from other things. You know, I said earlier, Ted Levin and Clancy Brown are, um, Ted Levin was the, the police chief on Monk and Clancy okay. Brown has been in like everything. Uh, Raymond Barry is the, this villain, this movie has two villains, Raymond Barry, who's threatening to shut down the college and shooter McGavin, who's just trying to steal the girl. Um, and Raymond Barry's character is notoriously evil and he's pretty much a bad guy in everything he's ever done. Uh, but something else I thought was interesting was that Will Wheaton plays his son. Yeah. And so every time when he threw the ashtray at, uh, at professor Brainerd and it bounced back and <laughs> that was really funny. And also I was like, we <laughs> of course. <laughs> yes. Because how could you not? Be, right. Right. Cause he's, yeah, he's a punk. <laughs> sure. He's a wonderful guy, but everything he's, everything he's been, he's a punk. Right. So, you know, it's got, if there's a nice grouping of just hardcore nineties action, or uh, hardcore 90s people in this movie and they've all gone on to do really interesting things but really I guess what this movie is is just a quintessential 90s flick because you know Rotten Tomatoes has scored 24% like you and I have both admitted it's not good Um, Metacritic 24% is probably about right (laughs) 
<laughs> um, Metacritic is a little higher, uh, 37 out of 100. But in the 90s, when it came out, it made $93 million. And so it made $178 million internationally. And there's no way it costs that much to make. I don't know. Uh, I don't have that number in front of me how much it costs to make. But so it made money. I mean, people went to see it. They spent millions of dollars at the box office. So I obviously Robin Williams doing something slapstick and silly was enough of a draw for people when it came out in 97. And what I think is really interesting about that is just that when I did some research, like I said earlier, this was John Hughes essentially just rewrote the original absent minded professor for this. Like he didn't do a lot of work to it. Um, He just kind of made it modern for a nineties audience. And when I did some research, I realized that, or I found out that the miracle on 34th street from the nineties with Mara Wilson is essentially the same thing. They took the original miracle on 34th street, rewrote it for a modern, just did a little rewrite on it and made a new movie. And so I thought it was interesting that the remake trend goes back that far. John Hughes did John Hughes start it? Can we blame it on John Hughes? There's nothing. (laughs) I'm not sure. I didn't look back to when it actually started, but I just thought it was interesting that both of those films were old and then just kind of remade 20 to 30 to 40 years later for a modern audience. And so I've not seen the original absent-minded professor. Um, but I'm sure, I'm sure that there are some differences and a lot of that stems from Robin Williams and just how fantastic he is at everything. Right. It has to be. I mean, and as I was watching this, I, I kept taking note. I'm like, most of his scenes are with the like flubber and a flying robot, neither of which really existed. (laughs) So he's just basically dancing around and making all these noises against a green screen or this empty room. I'm like... This dude, like, was just so special. Like, he was just amazing at his peak. It was just... Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Well, you know, I thought... We talked about Popeye before, and Popeye... Robin Williams was essentially our age when he made Popeye. Don't don't tell me that. I've accomplished nothing. Because <laughs> he, he feels like a perpetual 40 to 50-year-old man in everything. Well, he looked uh, it, but yes. <laughs> he only passed away at 62 uh, several years ago. Mm-hmm. So Robin Williams really in his, his 30s, 40s, and 50s, that's the Robin Williams that most people know. And so I just thought it was really interesting that it, it kind of took him that time to find his his niche. And that he really got going, he got popular for a totally different reason than most people get popular. You know, he's, he's a a member of that club with Jim Carrey and Adam Sandler, where they're known for their specific style rather than for just being like a hot movie star. Um, And so I've really appreciated watching Robin Williams work through this lens now. And I am kind of today. I kind of grieved a little bit over the talent that we no longer have in the world, just because even a movie like flubber, which by all accounts is terrible. (laughs) It's still good because of Robin Williams. Right. He's the only reason it's watchable. Exactly. 
So and and to you know to pick out which that guy actor is in which scene, and like you know Ted from Scrubs is is the basketball coach. Which I did forget about that, which was wonderful. <laughs> in and of itself, that's hilarious because it's like really of all the roles you could have given him, a basketball coach. Yeah, but it's perfect for for Matt Field because they're terrible. <laughs> And then, uh, you know, the I think my favorite moments that aren't Robin Williams, which pretty much the only reason I enjoyed the movie was Robin Williams. But there are two moments. One where uh, Flubber goes through the digestive system of Shooter McGavin very, very quickly. <laughs> Way too fast. <laughs> um, <laughs> And the other was when they, they, they pulled a squirt gun out of his jacket. And the guy's like, give it to him. And he's just shooting him with it. No, give it to him. Let him have it. Uh, I never get tired of dumb stuff like that. Yes. No, yep, I'm with you. <laughs> and I also, as I was watching Flubber travel through the digestive tract of Shooter McGavin, <laughs> I also realized mid-dance or mid acting that he was just doing that there was obviously nothing like that's just straight acting which i want like how does that conversation happen between actor and director like hey i need you to dance a little more i need you to act a little more uncomfortable like <laughs> be a fly on the wall in that shoot would have been great oh my gosh well it's my understanding that robin williams just like was given like scenarios and then just riffed on them to no end and so what's probably out there is a hundred outtakes of just him doing dumb stuff that didn't make it in the movie but that's my understanding of how robin williams operated in films like this yep so well yeah and not to steal the thunder from a future episode but like aladdin like they couldn't win best screenplay because he went off script and ad-libbed so much right like, it's <laughs> that's just what he did like it's one of those it's so amazing yeah, so uh, um, the process for him, really, when you do a little bit of research, it's just more fascinating, in my opinion, because he's just kind of a, he's known as one of the best actors of our time now, but he was just kind of a goofy improv comedian when he got into the business and just kind of carved out his niche there and then built it. And I think that's incredible. Yeah, he was he was something special. There will never be another Robin Williams. Absolutely. So, do you have any more thoughts on Flubber? <laughs> no, I would recommend everybody see it, but you know, <laughs> you yeah. know just for the slapstick stuff. <laughs> yeah, it, it'll probably. Um, I like people to. Pe- like to be able to point people to where they can watch something, and I honestly had to buy a DVD to get flubber um i didn't have access to it but disney plus is launching in november and i would say that it's very likely since the absent-minded professor was also a disney film that flubber will be among the disney library if you haven't heard about it yet it's probably because that's not number one on their publicized list yeah, it can't be a very high selling point for people. <laughs> right. <laughs> Guys, plus. we just started this new streaming service and it's going to have Flubber. And do you really need to know anything else? <laughs> it would have got me, but yeah, I'm in the minority. <laughs> right. So I just want to know if they have Recess and Darkwing Duck. But 
Ooh. I digress. <laughs> <laughs> we can talk about that for a while. <laughs> so they've announced some stuff like like Goof Troop and uh, the original DuckTales and the new DuckTales, both of which are excellent. And they pretty much said that anything that they haven't licensed to another streaming service is going to come on there. But it just it makes you wonder, like, what do they consider – um important to have on there at launch and they basically have said you know we've licensed this stuff to netflix and we can't get out of that but as soon as it comes off we're going to put it on here instead right well i know that was with like the marvel stuff like they basically in the contract was like we can take it off at any point and so that's what all the marvel stuff should be there at launch i would think yeah so it sounds like not everything but just because of that uh they've got this so many months after release contract with Netflix. And so there's still, I guess, a few films that that applies to, but it sounds like Captain Marvel is going to be available at launch. So as soon as you can sign up for Disney plus and get it, you'll be able to watch Captain Marvel also relevant to the topics of this podcast. And I imagine that, and they also said like some of the Fox library. So all 30 seasons of the Simpsons, um, everything of Malcolm in the middle, lots of the X-Men movies will probably be on there. Um, so all that to say that if you're wondering where you can get in on this good, amazing, fantastic slapstick movie called Flubber, <laughs> it's probably going to be on Disney Plus when it launches. Or pay $8 from Amazon and they'll ship you the DVD. <laughs> right. As a Prime member, I got it in two days. That worked for me. It was totally worth it for me too. <laughs> I had to rent Popeye on iTunes. That was a whole other thing uh the dvd was way more expensive you heard it here first <laughs> <laughs> so uh i'm getting a little off topic but thanks for coming on ben absolutely i enjoyed it hopefully uh we can do this again soon yeah absolutely so if uh Listeners of the podcast want to follow you on Twitter. Is it okay for me to share your Twitter handle with everybody? Absolutely. So Ben, his Twitter handle is at famous clock. Um, because if you don't know Ben, you may not know that he's a very large man. <laughs> and so obviously big Ben was taken famous. Clock. Taken. <laughs> big Ben is always taken. I'm famous clock. I'm basically every, everything I can be. So, <laughs> uh, so I love it. So if you're going to follow Ben, follow Famous Clock. If you're going to follow me, it's Nikki A. Hogan, same as it always is. Um, Nick's Infinite Playlist has a Facebook page. We do not yet have a separate Twitter account for that or a website, but I've purchased the domain name. I'm close. I just haven't had time to deal with it yet. But the podcast is now available on nine different platforms. So obviously if you're listening, you may already know that, but I'm going to run down them as soon as I can find them while I pull up on my phone. I'm hosting them on anchor.fm. And then you can get it on Apple podcasts, on Google podcasts, Spotify, breaker, overcast, pocket casts, radio public and stitcher. Any of those, whichever your preference is, listen to the podcast there share it with your friends, subscribe, leave us a rating. I'd very much appreciate it. Anyway, thanks again, Ben, for coming on. Absolutely. And this has been Nick's Infinite Playlist. 
So long, everybody.